brain trauma. The most common causes include motor vehicle collision or crash. Why don't we call them MVAs anymore? Because they're not always accidents. Falls. Sports. Who here was a gymnast Who, or cheerleader? More injuries than uh, football. And of course, everyone's favorite, violence. Now, there's two, there's two concepts that we need to understand, coup and contre-coup, which are also French words. Coup, coup is the French word for strike. And contre-coup is counter-strike. Now, not like, the, not like the computer game. Now, here, here is your head, and here is your brain. Now, imagine for a moment that Arla <laughs> snuck up behind you with a bat. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> As she whacks you, <laughs> as she whacks you on the side of the head, you're going, what's going to happen is this part of your brain nearest the bat is going to be struck by the blow of whatever it is she's using to hit you with, in this case, a Louisville slugger. Then what's going to happen is your brain is suspended in fluid. What's that fluid called? Cerebrospinal fluid. If she hits you hard enough, your, ba- your brain will then bounce and hit the other side of your skull. And that's called contra-coup or counter-coup. Contra-coup. I-, I do not know how to pronounce this word. What? Sure. Yeah, anytime your head is whacked, it can even happen if you hit the floor. Now, if you get hit from the top, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Now, now, focal brain injuries. All right, back up here. We got to finish this. Focal brain injuries will cause contusions and epidural hemorrhage and subdermal subdural hematomas. Focal injuries cause focal problems. Now, focal focal means that the injury is focused in an area of the brain. It can be a large area, but it's not the whole brain. So, if you injure the area, let's say you injure the occipital lobe, What might be impaired? Are you sure? Oh, okay. So, the rule is, in focal injury, the, the symptoms and signs will be dependent on what got damaged. In diffuse injury, the injury is spread out across the brain and you, can, you, can, you can't really predict what symptoms a person will have. It might just be unconsciousness. Now, let's talk about concussions. Concussions are graded. Grade one, two, and three. 
are considered mild. Grade four is considered moderate and is what we consider the classic concussion. So let's take a look at grade one. Grade one is confusion, disorientation, and momentary amnesia, which means is when Arla gets done whacking Joe, he can remember everything except the moment he got whacked. So he forgot that moment, but everything else is okay. He'd never lost consciousness and he might be a little confused and a little disoriented, but he's still there. Grade two is what we call retrograde amnesia. So you might not remember anything that happened earlier that day. And it usually develops within five to ten minutes after getting whacked. Grade three is retrograde amnesia at the moment from five to thirty minutes back. So in terms of retrograde amnesia, we're talking about... You know, not very much. You just you're forgetting things like what happened during the game. You're not you're not forgetting whole days of your lives. You're not forgetting who you are either. Then what we call moderate or classic um, concussion is grade four, and that's a level of consciousness less than or sorry in this case loss of consciousness less than six hours. So the person in this case has actually lost consciousness, but less than six hours. So in mild, did the person lose consciousness? No. In moderate, did the person lose consciousness? Yes, but for less than six hours. And the patient may have retrograde and anterograde amnesia. Beyond that, we have what we call moderate diffuse axonal injury and severe diffuse axonal injury, which are much worse than a classic concussion. All right, done with concussions. Next, we have... Um, Cerebrovascular disease. Now, um, more than 50 patients admitted with neurosymptoms have cerebrovascular diseases, which means that half of your neuro patients will have cerebrovascular diseases. And we've they're pretty much broken up into two big ones. One is cerebrovascular dementia, which is dementia caused by hypoxia to the brain. And the other one is what we call stroke, stroke. Now, um, remember when, um, remember I said you, told you that uh, healthcare goes in like waves of fashion? Well, we used to call strokes strokes. Then we said, no, no, we can't call them strokes. We have to call them cerebrovascular accidents. Well, guess what? Now we're back to strokes again. So, ischemia is loss of blood flow. So, you still have some blood flow, but not as much. And it causes what kind of injury to tissue? No, 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 it doesn't cause cell death necessarily. It causes hypoxic injury. Now, if the hypoxic injury is so bad that it causes cell death, that's called an infarction. So, strokes are infarction. Vascular dementia may or may not be infarction. Um, then the other thing that can happen is a patient can bleed instead of, instead of the blood flow being blocked, 
patient starts bleeding. We'll talk about the difference in those in a second. All right, strokes. Half a million people every year in the United States have a stroke. Isn't that nice? It is the third leading cause of death. What's the number one? Heart disease, in particular myocardial infarction. What's number two? No, not diabetes. Cancer, and a most embarrassing cancer at that. Colon cancer. And what's number three? Stroke. Now, it is also the leading cause of disability in the United States. When you were in the, the um, nursing homes, how many of those patients had had strokes? <laughs> All of them. If they hadn't had strokes, guess where they would be? At home or in an adult retirement community. Um, 70% of all strokes are in patients who are above the age of 65, which means that the risk increases with age. And we have a couple different types of stroke. We have what we call thrombotic stroke, which is basically the exact same thing as a heart attack, but in your brain. So what causes a heart attack? No, that's not what causes a heart attack. That's what a heart attack results in. Decreased blood flow from what? I'll give you a hint. A blood clot. And why does this patient have a blood clot? What's the, most, what's, what's the reason? Atherosclerosis is a buildup of fatty streak, foam cells. Remember all that stuff? Inside the artery. Now, what happens to, to that thing to cause a heart attack? It breaks open and that causes a sudden clot to form. So same thing in the brain. You have atherosclerosis building up in the brain that eventually ruptures and the patient gets a stroke. Now, in addition to the stroke itself, there's often patients will have what we call TIAs, which stands for transient ischemic attack, which is basically stroke symptoms that go away by themselves. You can kind of think of it as angina for the brain. Next, we have what's called embolic strokes. What's an embolic stroke? After you have a clot somewhere else that breaks off and whoop, travels up to the brain. So what do you think might cause a thrombotic stroke? What kind of arrhythmia? Atrial fibrillation. What do we have to do to a patient who has atrial fibrillation before we shock them and put their heart normal again? Well, that's, that's how we get rid of the blood pooling. But what's happened while that blood is pooling? The patient's clotting. So what do we do to them before we shock them? Okay, well, you do anticoagulate them, but how do you know it worked enough? So what's, what are you saying? Okay, well, PTINR is how you monitor the anticoagulation, but how do you know it actually worked and there's no clots in there? Well, it is an endoscopic procedure. Well, it is an echocardiogram, but what kind? TEE, what does that stand for? Transesophageal echocardiogram. So you stick the, the ultrasound probe down their throat and you take a picture of the atria from the back of the heart and check to make sure there's no clots. Because if there are, and you shock that person and the heart starts beating again normally, those clots 
yeah, the patient's probably going to die. So that's probably the number one cause of embolic strokes. Another, one, another possible cause is if you have, um, if you have buildup in the uh, carotid arteries and then you start pushing on them. Let me palpate that. <laughs> cause it to break off. Hemorrhagic stroke. Hemorrhagic stroke um, is bleeding in the brain, often caused by an aneurysm. What is an aneurysm? It's a weakening in the artery wall, which usually results in a bulge, and then eventually, pop, goes the weasel. Now, which is worse, a thrombotic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke? Why do you say hemorrhagic? I mean, you are right, but why? Well, they're bleeding, but so what? It's into the head. I mean, don't you need blood in the head? Yeah. All right, so as, as the blood leaks out into the brain, it increases pressure in the brain. And there's nowhere for that blood to go. So if you had bleedings, like say in your arm, where would the blood go? It would push out and cause a bulge. What would that bulge be called? A hematoma. So in the head, where does that hematoma go? It goes into the brain and squishes the rest of the brain up against the skull. Uh, how many of you have ever been to a restaurant where you're like the last person in the little booth and then the people on, on the outside of the booth decide to crush you into the wall? Have you ever, no? Have you ever been a crusher, perhaps? Well, that's basically what happens to your brain tissue. And then the last thing is called a lacunar infarct, which is basically a type of thrombotic stroke don't need to worry too much about. We're going to have to do the rest of this tomorrow.